welcome to iFollow. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 42 of I4O, uh, your number one source of this week's news in technology. Um, I am Matt, joined today by Urban. We have a nice two-man podcast going on. How's it oh, going, Urban? Doing well. Doing yeah. well. Yeah, there's we got some good uh, stories to cover this week. Yeah, I mean, some of these are really exciting. I think it'll yeah. be, I think it'll be a good episode. So. Um, to jump straight into the, the first topic, um, we may be out of work soon. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, um, there's a motherboard article saying deep voice software can clone anyone's voice with only 3.7 seconds of audio, which is, it's, it, it's, that's pretty, that's pretty incredible for only 3.7 seconds. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to some of the, the audio feeds that they yeah. include in this article. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, so. it definitely is crazy. Because when you said that, like, we might be out of a job soon. Because we've done 42 episodes. There's a lot of recording out of, uh, yeah. of our voices out there. So they could pretty much just write up an article or a script, and it could read it, and it could sound just like any five of us on this show, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of crazy. This is similar to, um, I don't know if you've seen this, um, Adobe showed off this yeah. uh, type of technology on one of their conferences, I don't know how, a couple of years ago now. I um, feel like we actually reported on this a while back. We um, may have. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, but it, it, yeah, does, it reminded me of that when I first saw yeah, it. Yeah, so it does that similar thing where it takes a couple seconds of the video and you can uh, change, cut out snippets and rewrite, um, just type in text and it'll sound just like that person. Um, but they never released it um, right. to the public. Um, so that was just a demo. Um, I think they were too scared of like the implications. Like what could happen, right? If you could right. fake someone saying or a, a politician saying a certain thing that you can prove who said it, if he actually said it, or was it just one of these manipulations? Um, and in, this is called deep voice, and I think that's sort of related to the deep fakes. I don't know if we have we discussed deep fakes on the show. I don't um, think so. Yeah, we never really discuss it, but deep fakes are are these fake vi videos that um, someone put out a piece of software that lets you pretty much superimpose a face on anybody else um, and make it look fairly realistic um, and with just your home computer. Previously, like you needed a pretty what? I but it's brain. with AI and it, having deep listed before any of their names. Like I, I never understood that in any way. Like, I, yeah, I, a, a deep neural me. network. I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe actually, it's a, that's yeah. a... But it's, it's something that always like threw me off because you have deep, you have deep mind from Google, like mm -hmm. learning yeah. deep or deep face, <laughs> and then now deep voice. Um, but yeah, this comes from uh, Chinese tech giant Baidu. Oh so. yeah. They've come through with a bunch of other stuff. That's what I I thought it was a, I thought this was another follow up on the Adobe, um, thing when you originally linked in. Until I saw that it was from Baidu and not Adobe. Mm -hmm. So um, and Baidu, if anyone doesn't know, is pretty much the Google of China. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're one of the big innovators over in China. Um, so. The Google and Amazon slash Amazon of China. Um, it's huge. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and they were saying a year ago this technology needed around 30 minutes of audio to create a new fake audio clip, but 
now it sounds like albeit it, it's it's not a very high quality um, yeah but it sounds it, like a very low quality like if you're using a crap microphone it sounds kind of like what that would sound like in yeah a way. but just this is today think a bit like five yeah. ten years down the line what what kind of implications does this have in terms does, of yeah. like how who can we trust and like if computers are so good at replicating someone either using the deep uh, fakes type of video or the audio or the combo of the two right you combine right. the two <laughs> and then you have <laughs> oh this you can pretty much make anyone say anything yeah and you could say that like just looking at the laws of of it's just gonna get better, right? In five, right. ten years, with with time, technology, yeah, voice and AI, yeah, uh, it's just gonna get uh, improved that much more. Uh, what what are the implications in the future? Like, you can you how can you trust seeing a video online all with all this fake news stuff? Right. I don't want to get too political, but is this, it is tech related? Where it is, yeah. How like what can you trust? Do you see something online? you know that was this created by an AI or was this actually said by that person? Right. Microsoft Sam has nothing on this technology. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, yeah, they actually do mention Adobe demonstrated its Voco software in 2016, which could generate speech after 20 minutes. Um, and Montreal-based uh, AI startup Liarbird claims that it can do text-to-speech in under a minute so or in just one minute of audio. So this one is the most... Um, impressive of all of them so far and it does look like it gets much better once it's given a larger voice sample yeah so um, they, a... they include an audio clip in here um with a whole model adaptation with using a hundred voice samples and it sounds pretty good mm -hmm. like it's kind of terrifying so yeah a lot of these like the more samples you give it the the neural networks work better um the more samples that you have so if you have some a public figure um, where you have so much of their recording already mm -hmm. available, it'd be fairly um, easy to yeah. recreate something that, um, again, sounds just like that person. You can never tell. Mm -hmm. Maybe there could be like a way of like watermarking it to say, okay, like a regulation comes out that any of these these type of software um will be watermarked digitally watermarked in in a way that says okay this is fake yeah it's going to be a dangerous uh, it, it's one of those technologies that's both incredible and, and very dangerous in implication um kind of going off of what you said just because it does it like it's not certain how this could be used because like um you were saying like it could be used to imitate a politician's voice or uh, an actor's voice or something like that and how long does it take before um, some bad actor doesn't use that watermark or generates their own technology and mm -hmm. tries to spread false information or something like that? Or even something as benign as bringing back an actor who had passed away 50 years ago or something as well. Yeah. Using old movie clips and audio from that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's only a matter of time before we start seeing this in the real world. And I think only when that happens is when we'll start seeing this come up in a larger discussion around what exactly we should do with this technology and how it should be used and how it should not be abused. Yeah. So. And I think the big corporations like Baidu um, and Adobe, if they ever release this type of software to the public, will make it so that you could 
easily identify it. They'll be responsible. Mm-hmm. Like people don't take it, but this is becoming more and more of a commodity at this point. AI, all these uh, pieces of software, because there's so many different types of of uh, neural networks out there. Google has their own. Uh, the TensorFlow, right? It gives you allows yeah. you to uh, pretty much do. Uh, give you access to their data centers that has these special processing units that lets you um, use their their tensor um, neural network um, and it's pretty much accessible to anyone so yeah. there's if someone wants to create it and just release it that doesn't identify it as being something fake that um, you can't really rely on these big corporations to yeah. make it um, trustworthy since pretty much anyone can create something like this i think would be best served open source yes not closed source for sure yeah Um, i think that would be one of the better approaches to this because that way there could be some kind of digital signature around the voice or some kind of sub like sub audio that people can't hear type sound that is like oh okay this is not a human talking this is an ai or something like that um but yeah um well uh yeah so speaking of stealing people's voices (laughs) (laughs) uh twitter uh just suspended a lot of accounts who were known for stealing tweets yeah so these are some users that have been referred to as tweet deckers and for anybody who isn't familiar with the term tweet deckers um these are large accounts known for teaming up in exclusive like groups is what they call tweet deck groups and sending mass retweeting of one another's posts. And this often includes uh, paying Twitter accounts as well. So people will pay to have their mm. posts retweeted by these large accounts, um, almost generating a viral status for their posts and videos yeah. um, just because of the reach that these accounts have. So some of these accounts were large and I've seen some of these. Oh yeah. I've a lot well. of my friends used like I've, I've seen them repost these type of stuff um, before. I mean, they, they post like funny stuff. So you retweet it or memes or things like that. Um, when I heard first heard the term tweet deckers, I had never heard of it before this article. Uh, I thought, I thought of the software called tweet deck. I don't know if you yeah. ever used tweet deck. I actually used like, it for well, a while. Yeah. It's still, I think, it's not going to be updated. I think Twitter said, no, we're no longer supporting this, but it's still out there. Uh, If you want to use it, one of the better uh, desktop uh, Twitter clients. Um, I actually uh, have switched from that to Tweetin is another another app that I use. Um, It's like the same same difference. You you can control the tabs and like run multiple Twitter accounts from it because I used to have... um, uh, I used to have a couple of Twitter accounts and one of them was basically an RSS feed that tweeted news articles out and I subscribed to that one for news. But last week we reported that they were taking down bots and mm-hmm. <laughs> I started getting emails from if this then that through my hookup from that Twitter account saying that it had reached its post limit for the day. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's going to go away. But um, but yeah, I've been, I'm familiar with that platform TweetDeck and um, some like I was saying, some of these accounts. Um, one of them is at Dory. Um, there's, and I, I don't, I don't know if I want to go through and say these names because a lot of them are. I don't want to give them any more publicity than they are. I mean, they're have. they're suspended, so you can yeah. really if you go through that if you click on those links. So we'll have we'll have the link to this Buzzfeed article, but um, they'll have the links to those. You you go through their accounts; they're just accounts suspended. 
mm-hmm. um and uh, uh twitter's uh feedback sort of from all this that they said that they were violating the twitter's terms of service uh and some of these accounts had had hundreds of thousands if not millions of followers um which is kind of crazy that p- mm-hmm. twitter would just lay down um the hammer like that um i think they're they're on a um on the road to trying to clean up twitter that's what the, the bot thing yeah. was uh, this is tra- part of a larger step with yeah. twitter to um, clean up its act because they've been known for allowing all kinds of like bots and um accounts that control a large amount of what comes out of it as viral um and these are the two probably biggest steps in that direction like you were saying um it's a it's a good move and i fully support this because having several accounts control what is considered viral and what isn't i think is a dangerous practice and i think it would behoove other social media accounts looking at you facebook to (laughs) to follow this similar platform of getting rid of these types of articles and uh these news like the, oh it's almost like spam at this point too mm-hmm. um, so now uh, it'll be much harder for users to sell purchase or attempt to artificially inflate account interactions so as, as quoted by the article but i'm happy that this is done um it's a it's a ground for permanent suspension and I th- also it seems like um i know some of these accounts have resurfaced under other pseudonyms mm-hmm. and those subsequent accounts have also been banned nice so the they're Twitter's on top of it. They're not they're, messing around. Yeah, they're stepping. They're putting their foot down. So yeah, um, and this is another story that I I I didn't really post, but sort of related to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Twitter related, but um, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, uh, recently said that um, they want a way to um, make um, everyone be able to verify their own account. So I think they they have a huge problem of like these. Um, nameless accounts that you don't know who they are right. uh, they're just posting uh, stuff so uh, most people probably know this but do you you can have this verified check mark next to your name that says yep you verified this is the person um, yep. who they say they are and and they want to roll out a way to do that quickly and easily um, because right now you sort of have to send in like a, a piece of identification or you have to be a certain level of a a quote-unquote public figure you have to have like an online presence so they can go out and verify yep this is the person who they say they are but yeah. they want to roll that out to everyone on twitter so you can have this real identity sort of on twitter to say okay this is the person we verified it this is not a fake account or this is not trying to be someone who they are saying but they aren't actually who that person um that's another step towards this sort of cleaning up twitter right and um, that's um, like I said, I, I I like am super happy that <laughs> they're actually going through it. Though. Yeah, because I really like Twitter and I follow certain people to get um information from them because I care about what they have to say and I really like it. But yeah, if, um, it's kind of become I don't know how to say, it, but like this is a cesspool of garbage sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is and. Uh, Twitter's been hasn't exactly been known for being the bastion of um, good composure and um, polite 
uh, conduct on the internet. It's yeah. not exactly known for being nice to people. Um, now I guess maybe next on their radar, I would hope would be the rampant bullying and like neo-Nazi posts and um, like just the, the fake accounts that follow people. So hopefully that happens. I don't, I haven't checked um, Ifro's Twitter account, but I almost want to go check our analytics and see if we had any bots tied to our account over the past couple of months, see if we've dropped in followers or, or gained any. I think that would be worth checking out. But I mean, speaking of bots, um, <laughs> the Google is working on the Google Assistant. They're expanding its functionality. So uh, there's a new feature for actions called custom device actions. Um, makers of specific smart devices and IoT can extend the assistant and add native functionality specific to their device. So, uh, for example, for anybody who may not be familiar with that type of a technology, um, anybody, and Irvin, you explained this pretty well to me on the pre-show, anybody who, for example, has um, like a, a washer or a fridge and uh, up until now you would have had to have, say, like talk to LG fridge or talk to this um to open up that API and talk to the assistant functionality that that specific device has. Now, for example, if you just said, hey, turn the washer on, or like, hey, um, set the fridge temperature to 30 degrees, now Google knows that you have a smart fridge hooked up. And uh, for example, LG would have expanded that their technology to almost be a native device in the Google Assistant. Yeah, so now those makers have the ability when they program that sort of integration with Google Assistant, they have the ability to set generic terms what can trigger. I like uh, that. Um, um, previously, they had to make something specific. So you could say, talk to my LG fridge and set the temperature to um, whatever degrees. And that, that's sort of convoluted and there's a lot of words you have to see. You have to remember exactly what the trigger word is like okay how do i trigger and the more that the, these assistants become a natural way of communicating with them the more the easier it becomes for people to get comfortable and more used to like using it on a day-to-day basis just someone like this presence in your house that you could just talk to and ask questions and, and trigger certain actions and you don't have to really think about it the less you have to think about how do i actually make my turn lights turn off or uh, make my fridge uh, colder or turn my washing machine on the easier by getting more adoption that you get around the house because if you really like okay uh, how do I uh, turn on my washing machine with my voice okay so you have to say this trigger word and you have to say it in this order if you don't say it then it won't understand the more <laughs> that it becomes this natural language you say and the Google Assist is smart enough to figure out okay this is what I'm trying to do and it does it that easier that that becomes and more the, the wider adoption i think um yeah because it, it's getting there but um actually yesterday i was i was playing i was asking um assistant for a conversion of units i was trying to convert milliliters to ounces and uh it said it but it was fairly quick so um i never tried this command before but i said um hey g uh could you repeat that and she's like i said and then she said, repeated the, the oh, question. Cool. I didn't even know. I didn't, I just like, I would ask, I, I asked that sort of question that I would to a normal person. Hey, could you repeat what you said? 
Um, yeah, so it'll just replay the last thing that it did. I, I did notice, I don't know if was it my sort of uh, just perception or something, but it did sound a little passive-aggressive when it repeated. It's like, <laughs> no, I already told you, <laughs> but... It might have been just my imagination. Maybe if but. you listened the first time, we wouldn't be going down this road. <laughs> oh, man. But um, some of the, the functionality they've actually, um, they're showcasing at South by Southwest. So anybody who was in Austin this weekend, um, if you made your way over to the Google Assistant Funhouse at South by Southwest, you can yeah. check out their sock sorting robot or um, a beer ordering system. Yeah. So that's pretty cool that they have that set up. But. We have all there are also other additional new uh, features. Uh, so notifications can now be subscribed to on the phone. So previously, if you've used, I know we've used it. We use Allo um, to communicate between uh, all the five of us. But you can subscribe to certain notifications, like send me a um, a, a quote every morning or whatever it might be. Um, uh send me daily or daily yeah. stock updates you can do that subscription within allo um but you can do that through the system built into allo but you can do that in the actual system which was sort of like wait what uh yeah. but now you that that'll be rolling out uh soon so if you want to get like a daily update on uh stock prices every morning or uh, exact well stock would make sense actually at the end of the day um yeah. Or news alerts or things like that, you can ask uh, the assistant to send you that at a certain time of day. Also, better support for media playback. So, on the actual Google Homes, the physical devices, you can ask play an episode of of um, of a certain podcast or um, uh, play news briefings from different types of sources. Um, and now that's better supported on the actual phone, your phone as well. So you can say the same type of trigger words and you can um, get a better audio experience. Look at, listen to sound clips, look at, um, uh, easily pause and, and replay it. Previously, you could trigger on your phone, but the interface was kind of uh, janky. Um, and it looks like the daily show action, for example, you can use it to listen to the latest uh episode or extended interviews um yeah. on same with uh, right the, now same with this podcast you'd be able to yeah replay uh start and stop any episode you want yeah we're all we're available on there yeah we are so we gotta do we gotta get into those flash briefings i think that'll be a cool thing <laughs> yeah that would be <laughs> um but yeah so there's a um there's also a handful of new actions also so if they're if you according to this they have American Idol trivia for my heart radio something called Calm and the mindfulness app. So it looks like they're putting a lot of work into the assistant and this is um only uh, more evidence that Google's just raw access to data helps them expand functionality at a rate that Amazon hasn't been able to over the past 2 years. Because they've all but caught up with what the Echo can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and even in some areas surpassed them. Like, I guess um, going back to the device functionality and extending it to make it work like a native device, this would be going, this would be taking something and no longer needing a skill for it if yeah. you were on the Echo. Mm -hmm. It would just be a native thing that the Echo could do to draw a parallel between both of those devices. And if you're using a HomePod, this is functionality that um, you'll just never have. So, 
It's just something. Well, they never say never, but yeah, it's well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they gotta fix Siri first. Yeah, once they get Siri yes. up, and it's like I found something on the web for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but um, but yeah. So, speaking of not Siri, we have the latest version of Android that's coming out, and I know last year, um. We were right around the second developer preview when this podcast started and we had our little round table on what we thought oh, right. the newest Android version was. Um, and right now uh, there's a lot of options for P. There wasn't a lot for O. Um, and, we, and, and sadly, Ovaltine didn't win on that <laughs> one. <laughs> but um, Android P is right around the corner. It's going to be released this fall. Um, but And they have a developer preview that's now available to flash onto any android phone that is that is a first party so i think it's a pixel or uh, a pixel 2 yep those yeah. are so this is the first release that uh google is dropping the support for the nexus devices uh sadly rip nexus um it was a good run it was this it is was. officially the end of the nexus era yeah so i never thought i'd ever say that google is no longer supporting major um OS updates, they're still going to support security updates for additional year uh, right. to those Nexus, which is great mm -hmm. um, devices, but there will, it will no longer receive major OS updates like this P release. Um, but now we get, yeah, a first deliver preview. So it's only meant for uh, developers right now. Um, Going back developer preview three, it'll be stable enough to put on a phone. Yeah. Uh, so Google launched, I think, was it the first time it was last year, the oh, the enrollment to the beta program where you can just go on to his website and say, yeah, I want to enroll and load just automatically. That Was it that, the first time, was it last year that that happened or was it the mm -hmm. previous release? I don't remember. I think that has been available since N. Since N. Um, but yeah, so if you go, you can... Um, yeah, you can go to a certain website. If you have a compatible phone, you can just say enroll now. It'll automatically download... Um, the latest uh, pre our developer uh, preview uh, image. Right now, that's not available because it's really meant for developers. You have to manually go on a computer, connect it, and, and know how to flash uh, that image that, that Google makes available. So that that's sort of a way to deter people who don't know how to do that, aren't, aren't, aren't sophisticated enough. But you, if you are uh, and you still want to try it, even though... Um, you're not a developer. You can if you have a Pixel, original Pixel device, either the smaller one or the XL or the new ones as well. Um, yeah. They also recommend not installing it on your daily phone. Yeah, uh, I've seen that. That's the recommendation from Google. But I've seen reports on Twitter from uh, people like Raman, Ron, Mario. I know who you know who that is from mm -hmm. Ars Technica, uh, who's saying uh, he's asking is like, could this be like the most stable developer preview one I've ever Google has ever released because it's <laughs> my my uh, people are reporting that um, on the Pixel 2, their screen on times went for from uh, four to five hours per day to set up seven plus wow. uh, just by installing the lower preview one of Android P. Um, that could potentially be that it's a fresh install and you don't have all these apps running. So it's sort of uh, this. It's not really we also, don't know if it's uh, actually true, but um, people are reporting that it's fairly stable. So if, 
You really are. You like to live on the edge. You can't Don't install tell me it. that. Don't tell me that. Because <laughs> I'll end up installing this, and then I'll get hit with a show-stopping bug, and that'll be the end of that. Um, but maybe I'll join in around developer preview, too, and no. get a first-hand look at it. But, again, because right around when we started the podcast, I had the developer preview of Android Oreo mm. on yeah. my device. Um, and so did you. But um, You want to run down so, some of the features, the yeah, major yeah. highlights? I was actually going to say that some of that battery time may be in maybe due to one of the first things and one of the things that I think is the most important feature of Android P so far that we've heard, which is the restricted access to the microphone camera and all sensors mm. yeah. on the device that are idle. So now anybody who is no longer who no longer has Facebook on the front of their phone and is no longer actively using Facebook after a time. Um, Facebook will no longer be able to access any of the device's sensors, which is an awesome thing because there's been a huge problem in Android over the years of devices just runaway sensor usage and mm -hmm. uh, like gyroscope data and all that stuff. So I wonder if that is one of the bigger causes for saving on device battery life, um, just having yeah. it flat out restrict sensor usage so it's nothing's running in the background using any major processes um and i'm sure there's fixes for like things like google maps and stuff like that if it's not in the foreground right right yeah but um yeah aside from that there's built-in support for more video and image codecs including hdr vp9 profile 2 and heif um, yeah. heic with the latter bringing android more in line with how ios does things as well so there's more information on this that's going to be later this year. We only really know that information um, for enhancing and refactoring media APIs to make them easier for developers to integrate with, which is nice. Because um, I know that was a step with the, I think that was kind of what they were trying to go for with um, the visual core, giving it more of a deep access to for third party developers. Mm -hmm. um, there's a multi-camera API finally in Android. Um, this had been for the longest time uh, written into the applications from the phone companies and manufacturers who have dual cameras on their devices. Yeah. And I wonder if this means that we may see a dual camera Pixel 3 uh, um, down the line. We might, or if Google just could be just trying to make it easier on these device manufacturers so they don't have to uh, develop custom code to make the dual cameras work on their phone. Yeah. It's just built into the iOS and it runs natively. It's not something layered on top, uh, yeah. which could offer better performance. Um, so now if you have one of those dual cameras, I know that the Pixel 2 does amazing work with just one and it proves the point that you don't need two, but it could potentially mean that the Pixel 3 or whatever it might be called will have dual cameras. We don't know. Yeah. Could be interesting to see because we know how amazing one camera can what what it can do on the Pixel Two and right. what could two like what kind of improvements could that make? Um, yeah. It's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, and then a couple other features that um, one more that's important to mention right now um, is Wi-Fi round trip time. So it allows apps to get indoor positioning data down to a couple of meters using uh, the distance from Wi-Fi access points. So the example they provide in this article is of a mall and um, being able to get directions between stores 
which is a nice feature. Yeah, that's that's so. sort of uh, interesting, um, and it's a very useful feature that you gone can are the use days for... of crowding around the mall map. Oh <laughs> yeah, the mall map. Turn. Yeah, <laughs> it's no longer uh, useful. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it requires some additional hardware within to yeah. the phone to support as well. So, um, uh, and then on top of that, um, there's better autofill, which Google announced their autofill API in Android Oreo. Uh, there's improved performance for art and apps are now beginning beginning to be written in Kotlin, which is the new language officially adopted by Android in mm -hmm. last year's Google I/O. Um, and also there's power efficiency in Android. Uh, that like changes to the pieces that control that power efficiency, including those standby background limits. Um, and there's a, the job scheduler is also getting better at understanding the network state of the device. So um, apps that want to fetch data in the background will need to be tested against all of these power control features, which is probably another reason why you're seeing uh, a huge step up in battery life, because mm -hmm. the one problem with Android is it's um, the radio on the, the device radio and the radio noise that comes from it. And just that it's constantly receiving requests from background apps. Um, yeah. And also um, there's some steps that Google's taking in bringing its device or it's bringing its applications up to date. So uh, they're gonna have to start targeting a platform later than Android 4.2. So if you're using, a, if you're not using a recent SDK for your app, Google's going to as they quote, make you feel bad by making your users distrust you by showing a pop-up um, to an app saying that this is targeting a platform earlier than Android 4.2. Um, and then in 2019, they're gonna later enhance that by supporting 64-bit hardware. Um, and then also they're going to restrict access to non-SDK interfaces and non-public APIs. So basically they're saying that they may just straight up break apps that aren't using APIs that are approved by the Google play store. So this is a huge step forward in security and a huge step forward in bringing control to the market that is Android. Yeah. So, and I think this is Google beginning to realize that it needs to compete and get its apps down to the same level of efficiency as iOS. So what I hear my favorite Android P feature so far. Yes. It no longer changes the status and the bottom bar to that hideous orange when you turn on battery save mode. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, my God. We had the Android has the ugliest power save mode of all time. And it also crazy like when you I don't know if you use it that often. I used to in certain situations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's reduces the animations like becomes really choppy the the whole operating system just becomes like this janky mess it does. i don't know if you noticed that when you turn on power saver mode nope. yeah they um, kill all the animation so it's like the yeah. screen snap it's like yeah. using an old version of android so now not only that they remove that hideous um orange bar it just behaves like it just turns off the background stuff but you never you it, you don't it's not noticeable the the experience of using the the phone doesn't change doesn't dramatically uh differ in any way from when it was wasn't on it just you just get better battery life um yeah. which is also a great improvement i i tried it on on this the pixel um excel the original one that i have and and yeah it's it's great now now i could be more inclined to use um the power save mode um yeah no, it doesn't really make the whole experience of using the phone um, horrible. 
Um, right. Yes, I yeah. get better better life, but I now I don't want to do anything on the phone because it's just so bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is. I think this is going to be the the biggest visual and background change of Android since Nougat. Oh, yeah. And there's, Lollipop. There's people suggesting that it's it's uh, Material Design 2.0. Google hasn't been really made that official yet, uh, mm-hmm. but it's really something that they're really changing the way that it's looking and i think this is just developer preview one so as more developer previews are coming out i think we'll see uh, iterations of this and i think it might become official from google maybe during google io i know that's coming up uh, fairly soon and yep. that we'll hear more about this new type of design language that they might be going forward yeah um, and uh, just a couple of quick additions to that before we move on to the next topic um they are also adding, this is this may be important for those people who have been following Mobile World Congress, um, there is notch support officially added. I so don't want to mention it. I don't want to give it fuel. <laughs> I, I don't want the notch. No, no notch. <laughs> There's no notch allowed. Uh, only in Minecraft do we allow notches. Um, and they also have modified the quick settings drawer. to. It almost resembles the uh, original iOS quick settings, the control panel where they have the mm-hmm. rounded app icons. Yeah. Um, so that's something new. So there's a, a rounded icons in the the control center, which I think is nice. And also they're embedding the uh, functionality from Google's Reply app they had released. Yes. The Android messages as well. Um, so you'll have uh, quick reply settings, just uh, AI-generated responses um, based on your last couple of text messages. And it's built into the OS, so that means yeah. pretty much any messaging app could p- hook into it and start using it. Um, yeah. You don't have to get a third-party app like you do now, the sort of beta that they put out. Yeah, when, um, when you showed me that app, I noticed that it hooked into Skype Lite and Facebook Messenger Lite mm-hmm. as well. So those were two apps that were definitely not first-party and definitely not in the forefront of Google's mind when they were yeah. developing it which is just like skinned uh, versions of the apps that require less data. So, but yeah, that's, it's an exciting thing. And I'm definitely going to, I think we're going to be following this closely as it comes out. The new major updates for both iOS and Android are always exciting to report on just because it's something that everybody deals with eventually. So, but um, something that Snap is dealing with, unfortunately, is a, their biggest round of layoffs totaling in 120 engineers. So this is only another nail in the coffin for Snap. Uh, Yeah, um, nail in the coffin. Maybe those engineers were the ones who made the Android app suck so much. So they're like, you guys are gone. You guys can't program. (laughs) (laughs) You you guys can't make a proper Android app. We're just going to lay off. (laughs) Maybe. But I think it's more... more, um, more uh indicative of of problems at snap like sort yeah. of like it's not um this huge redesign rolled out uh, it hasn't been really uh, well uh taken by its users there's huge position petitions to change it back to the old design uh, people weren't a fan of it um it's not making it's losing a lot of money uh, each and every quarter um and there's been several of these uh layoffs um uh, recently and this is the biggest one um yeah. so far and, yeah they've previously laid off a couple dozen across its hardware and recruiting divisions last year and a couple dozen more cuts in january across their various departments um 
And since then, they've slowed their hiring rate by about 60% last quarter, and they've reported having 3,069 employees at the end of 2017. So it is they are, it is dropping. Um, 3,000 employees for one app? I mean, you got to have the spectacles and all the Discover stuff to find uh... marketing team. This is part of Evan Spiegel's New Year, New Me movement, evidently. Um, just in a complete reskin of everything that is Snap. Um, but it's something that other companies have gone through. I believe Facebook went through something similar to this when they were first starting um, and going through their growth. Um, but it's something that they're focusing on. They're, they said that they want to have a high-performing, technically excellent, and appropriately aligned teams uh, going forward. So, um, and apparently also they are they withheld cash bonuses as well at the end of 2017 because oh. of failure to meet their company-wide goals. So, mm. yeah. So we'll see. Um, so it could, it could be those bad Android developers. <laughs> it could be, yeah. Maybe they were like, okay, this app is hot garbage. We need to fix it. And then they overfixed it, and now it's still hot garbage. But it's across both the, it's across both platforms now. Oh yeah, I, iOS users know what Android users have been complaining about for years now, <laughs> <laughs> except through a new and horrifying way, which is a Snap redesign. But uh, I have hopes for Snap. I want them to succeed because um, yeah. I sort of I I like it. I've been using Instagram's uh, sort of story feature more and more uh, because it's just works better uh, in my opinion but i think snap has its has its place in the world i don't want it to fail um mm -hmm. but um i mean they have play they have some time i guess to turn the ship around and try to yeah. fix this no this is this definitely isn't like the end for them they can still easily come back from this yeah um, companies have come back from worse so yeah i mean look at like, for sure. microsoft and stuff back in the 90s oh, yeah. and, like yahoo um i mean not really yahoo but you know <laughs> um but yeah I, they, they've come back from worse but, oh yeah, yeah i mean yahoo had worse they leaked over a billion passwords um, yeah <laughs> accounts yeah. yeah and that if, didn't... Equ if equifax can do it <laughs> snap can do it <laughs> um yeah but yeah, while um, while the assistant is getting more functionality and Snap is losing employees and developer preview one is coming out, Amazon is laughing at everybody. <laughs> so, Creepily, by the way. Yeah, Creepily so laughing. Over the, over the past couple of days, there's been a, a lot of reports, I think originally reported by BuzzFeed, um, of the Echo devices laughing maniacally almost at various users. Um, so some of which have happened in the dark for people who are alone. Um, so, uh, the company was saying that, um, the phrase, um, a laugh or can you laugh, um, or just laugh as well, um, can be, um, can have a few false positives. So they've updated it from, uh, a laugh to a, can you laugh? Mm -hmm. And they say that's less likely to have false positives, um, and they're changing the response from just laughing maniacally to sure i can laugh followed by the maniacal laughter <laughs> so if you hear her say that then you know it's a little bit easier to tell that it's a false positive um but yeah some of the twitter uh links in this article are hilarious of people um reporting on this 
the one uh, Gavin Hightower was saying, lying in bed about to fall asleep when Amazon and the Echo Dot lets out a very loud and creepy laugh. So there's a good chance that I get murdered tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, and also a lot of people were making a call back to 2001 A Space Odyssey when Hal acknowledges and laughs. It's like, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's sort of freaky, especially when it happens when you're not trying to... Uh trigger anything it just for whatever reason it heard something that sounds similar to the trigger phase so it just starts talking um i mean that certainly happened to me sometimes with the uh, google home but this creepy laugh it would just freak out yeah like, like un- unplug dude like home alone in the dark oh, in the geez. kitchen and you just hear laughing or like you like, <laughs> yeah like you're watching a video and then you just hear a laugh from behind you oh my god dude i would I would be on the floor in the fetal position if I heard that. <laughs> oh, they're coming! They're coming for us. Yeah, I feel like they're on to me. Uh, yeah. Oh um, man, there was something funny, but I, uh, um, Amazon took care of it, so they changed the the trigger word uh, now, yeah. so it's less likely to uh, for it to happen. Um, I liked how their original comment was like, "Oh, we're aware of this." Just like what? <laughs> Oh, we know. <laughs> well, we know it's laughing at you. Alexa's not laughing with you. It's laughing at you. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, something else. Um, the MoviePass CEO is also laughing at us. Um, <laughs> he proudly announced that their app is tracking your location before and after you watch movies. So I know we, I believe we discussed this when they initially announced this new service that was coming out. So for anybody who's not familiar, MoviePass is a subscription-based movie-going app, which works for a select list of theaters. And you pay a monthly fee, and you get access to one movie a day, I think it is. Um, so for movie buffs, serious movie buffs, buffs, um, this could, like this is very useful. So like, if you want to see every movie, you can yeah. save a lot of money if you just save this mon- monthly subscription. Yeah. If you watch more than one movie a month, you're saving money with this service. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only users who would um, miss out on things would be if you prefer IMAX or things. You'll still need to pay for that. But it's a it's a subscription-based Spotify slash Netflix-esque style movie-going app. Uh, but um, something they didn't tell us and something they didn't even have in the company's privacy policy, which was their location tracking. Um, yeah. They mentioned in their privacy policy that will be only used as a means to develop, improve, and personalize the experience. Um, but I'm not sure how that helps when they're tracking you both before and after you go see the movie. Yeah. So this all came out of an event held in Hollywood uh, called the Entertainment Finance Forum. Sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an exciting <laughs> conference. Um, yeah. The party but, down there. Uh, <laughs> he was giving uh, the CEO of uh, movie pass was giving a keynote uh over there and uh the title of the of the keynote was data is the new oil how will movie pass monetize it and um he further um during the keynote mentioned that we get enor- um uh, uh, enormous amount of information um he said that we watch how you drive from home to the movies and how we watch where you go afterwards um kind of crazy um that he publicly uh went 
and uh, and said that uh, and people after like wait what why are you doing this yeah. um which is kind of like why do you need to know how i got to the move i mean i guess these companies want to collect as much data about each and every user as possible and they could potentially use that down the line even if it's if it's anonymized in some way that you can't tie it back to me like I don't really care. You don't need to know how I got to the movie theater and where do right. I go after? Do I go out to dinner or do I go straight back home? Like, what does that actually do for you? I get it. Like, data is the new oil. Like, the 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 uh, the title of this keynote, like, data has value to it. I yeah. get that. But there's certain limits, like, that you should not be able to collect. Yeah. To um, tie in an earlier article, I wonder if the new Android P um background data restriction is going to yeah. feed into their ability to access this information i mean they already came out and they up they've updated um the app on both uh ios and android uh to not do this anymore um, so yeah the the fact that they took from them the backlash doing right this, or yeah in this case bragging about it at a, mm -hmm. at a financial conference um like finance con basically uh the fact that it caught them bragging about this is a little bit un disconcerting. So, like, what other what are, what other apps are doing this? We know Uber does it, but yeah, what about Uber has said that they do track, um, or like, yeah, after you get out, yeah, of the car, where do you go? Um, but yeah, and it's, I don't, yeah, I I don't know, but yeah, they they need to, um, they. Yeah, so they, what they're saying in the article is they're saying some people sure might, and if they knew their activities were being tracked at this level of granularity and with such a cavalier attitude as well to be packed up and sold, I wonder exactly what that means for their subscription service. No. Like, I don't know if I would want to continue using this service if I knew that they were tracking me as much as they were. Like, it may be something worth trying out, but I don't know if I want to do that for long. But yeah, now, so they did provide an update. Um, to close out this topic, saying that they're exploring utilizing location-based marketing as a way to help enhance the overall experience by creating more opportunities for our subscribers to enjoy all the various elements of a good movie night. What? <laughs> oh, like, pretend, like one thing that I could see it being used for. So you go and, and then the movies and uh, you, they could use that data to see, okay, where do people go out after the movies to get a better experience? Maybe it'll, after you're done watching the movie, it'll suggest, hey, you want to maybe go out to this restaurant. Do people like to go there after seeing a movie at this theater? It's a nice place. I don't, maybe that could be one, but I can, I mean, I can do that on Google Maps now. You're like, I want to go out to eat or get some uh, grub and, and see some, see what places around me that are, are have good ratings like i could do that i don't need yeah well, the pass one, to do that suggestion for me or the one benefit they do mention in the update is um, rather we will use it to better inform how to market potential customer benefits including discounts on transportation coupons for nearby restaurants yeah. and other opportunities so that is a benefit over just specifically knowing what restaurants are in the area um, if they can offer you a discount to one then maybe that would be a little bit more worth it but um, it's just the attitude that they had about right. how like, how cavalier they were with admitting that they just farm. Yeah, we track every single step we take from yeah. the movies. I mean, then again, who doesn't? But like, don't be so cavalier about it, you know. Or put it in your privacy policy. Yeah, included. Yeah, it's not, in your, yeah. It's not yeah. like anyone reads that, but yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, as long as you have it. But I don't know. Yeah, it's only yeah they 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 say it's to improve their service, but I think it was more of a um, it's better to apologize and ask for permission, or ask for forgiveness and ask yes. for permission yes. thing, yeah. where they just see what they get away with until they get caught. But I don't know. It's a little little ridiculous, but uh, We've got a little news item at the end. Of the last uh, article we talk about um. We've heard of self-driving cars, uh, Uber, as well as Google are, are testing the actual just cars were passenger cars. Um, and now both have announced this week. Uh, I don't think it's a, a, a coincidence that they announced in the same week. Both of them, uh, both Uber and Waymo, Google's Waymo, are now testing self-driving trucks or big uh, pickup trucks. Um so Uber uh, said on uh, March 6th that um, they are um, starting to make uh, deliveries in Arizona using their uh, self-driving uh, trucks. Um, they acquired a company um, that does this. I forget what the name of it. Uh, back up on. No, I don't see yeah. it. Um, uh, but yeah, the the they auto. Yes, auto. They they acquired that company. Yeah. Um, then now they're doing, they're testing the self-driving cars or trucks. Um, it's still going to have, um, a driver in it, right? So just to monitor, uh, mm -hmm. what's going on, uh, within, um, the cars, uh, or the trucks I keep saying cars, um, back in 2016, well, it's, it's they, step, really. it is, it's, it's huge. Cars. I'm so used to Uber only dealing with self-driving cars, but yeah. Stepping into the self-driving truck market is just another piece of competition for what Tesla's already working on. Yeah, um, yeah. But some other, I think there's a, I think there's a German self-driving truck division also in Europe that's also working on it, sponsored by Mercedes. Mm -hmm. So this is just another piece of competition and another push towards self-driving and autonomous vehicles. Um, so much for that 50-year estimate that was given by the one. Of yeah, the, I know um, a lot of people. Congress. Yeah, don't think. Um, that a lot of people think that self-driving vehicles in general, not just trucks, but the vehicles, mm -hmm. are are far away. But they're they're not. They're really not. They're yeah. they're in most people's lifetimes. Like in the next ten to fifteen years, it's going to be very very common for a vehicle to not have a driver. I'm yeah. I'm I'm put I'm I'm putting my money on that. Or for it's, cars that are announced to come with a autopilot mode that is a true autopilot mode. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was standard in vehicles going forward, if there was a switch you could throw to go into an autopilot mode. And not a lot of people say within, like, the, the technology wasn't the limit, but the regulation was. But we see more and more states approving uh, the use of self-driving technology where there's no uh, law requiring someone to be behind a wheel. Uh, of a vehicle. I know Arizona was one of the early ones who approved this um, tech. And I know that that's where Waymo is doing all this testing. Uber's doing it. Like in this article, they're testing this self-driving car because in Arizona, they they don't have that law um, anymore. Right. Uh, and now the most recent one, most recent um, um, state that approved it was California, um, where they no longer uh, require a person to be behind the wheel uh, of a car so they can legally start testing 
states. So yeah. that that sort of story where they say the the regulation will be the government's sort of move slow um, is not certain. Certain states are, are really proactive and starting to uh, approve these types of um, uh, regulations quicker yeah. than I think most people have thought. And I think the technology is catching up, and it it'll be here sooner than than like we said most people think. Yeah, um, and they, they made their first delivery back in 2016 with these trucks as well. Yeah, when they delivered some... Uh, 2,000 cases of Budweiser from they, Fort Collins to Colorado Springs. They, they could have picked a better beer, but that's fine. That's I know. Not... <laughs> well, isn't that a Colorado beer? So I guess that would make yeah. sense. Yeah. State beer in Colorado. Yeah. But, uh, so a couple days later, Waymo also announced that they're doing self-driving uh, trucks. So, of course, Waymo is, as Google's Waymo is, is famous for uh, their self-driving cars. Um, they do, do do in Phoenix, Arizona, they launched their sort of taxi service that has no driver at all in sort of testing mode. And now they're testing it uh, with uh, trucks as well um, to uh, haul loads to Google's data centers in the state of Georgia. Um, yeah. Um, well, also um, to link these two together, um, Google or Uber and Waymo are actually um, something that we would have never expected. They're considering partnerships with each other, oof. finding ways to get Uber integrated into Waymo's autonomous vehicles. So, like, that's a rumor that's happening right now. But you know, business relationships are just strange things. I mean, maybe they're realizing it's better to work together than against right to doing yeah. competition because it overall will benefit everyone. Right. Uh so um I or think it's like a keep your enemies closer type thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it could be that too. Um But yeah, it's it's uh interesting and yeah, both of these companies are still requiring to have a, a right now a human driver behind uh the wheel uh just to keep make sure everything's happening. Uh, the way it's supposed to and take over in case anything happens. But um, eventually uh, down the line, um, they could um, do sort of like, oh, they'll they'll have someone uh, remotely monitoring a truck. Nobody has to physically sit behind um, the wheel. And then perhaps a couple of years down the line, you can have a one person just monitoring a fleet, like 10 trucks at a time and see, make sure everything's yeah. going Um uh, up to snuff um but i don't know what this means to uh truck drivers out there i don't know how they feel about this um it's definitely oh this is sort of huge thing where people are talking like these these uh these uh technologies are, are taking people's jobs um uh and it's i don't it's know it's a real threat it's it's becoming a real threat for sure and i think a bigger conversation needs to be had on what we're going to do with this influx of people who will be displaced from this technology and i think that's something that um, as a country and as a global economy we're ignoring so yeah. it's a it's a tough question to answer really i mean you could always pivot the people from this technology offer them career paths into say like the monitoring of these vehicles um, maintenance of the vehicles, something that's a little bit more of, of like an, a solution instead of extending the problem. Because I think that um, with this, there will be a wave of unemployment that comes from it. Um, yeah. At least if they're not monitoring, because I feel like with trucks, it wouldn't be hard to say in similar in the way we have long distance pilots on airplanes. 
mm-hmm. um, at least for trucks, just have them to monitor these things because they're huge. And if they get into an accident, they could kill people pretty easily. Yeah. So I think that it would be, it'll be a job to be a monitor on these trucks, someone who's trained in what to do in case it need to take control of it. But at yeah. the same time, remotely pilot it like you do a drone or something. Yeah. If you if it comes down to that situation, maybe maybe you could signal to that that person that it's it's encountering a situation where it's not sure how to handle it, so we can someone yeah. can remotely take over. Yeah. Um, and there's other companies that have also been working on this as well. There's um, a startup called Starsky Robotics announcing remotely driven trucks as well as Embark, which has actually been hauling cargo uh, since last fall. So there's some competition in this market. Now you have Uber, Starsky, Embark, and Waymo all getting into the self-driving and autonomous truck technology. So And... and cool. uh, a lot of people are saying this is the easiest type of driving to automate because yeah. a lot of it is on highway yeah. and a lot like I, my car can can do the highway uh, self-driving now. And it's one of the easiest ways like that's where I trust it the most. So like it, it's fairly straightforward. Like there aren't that many crazy variables that you might see on like a back road. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense for for the innovation to happen on um driverless trucks uh, before it does on regular passenger vehicles because they yeah. might encounter those passenger vehicles might encounter so many different types of environments than a truck might um, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that they would i we would see more and more innovation there first i think we'll see more and more things being public and actually being used in real world in trucks before we see it in um real passenger cars yeah and some of these are working on different levels i think waymo was working on level four vehicles mm-hmm. handling city streets as well as highway um embark is only focusing on the freeway aspect of it so it's different levels and they're all they all have different answers to different problems so but it's definitely something that's developing at a rapid rate and something that we need to to solve now or at least look at <laughs> Yep. Just because it's important, but you know, what else would be important? <laughs> um, but yeah, if if that's everything, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. This has been episode the answer to the life, the universe, and everything. Episode <laughs> forty two. <laughs> um, I wondered. And, I was wondering if you're going to make that joke. Oh, because I thought of that as well. It was ready. It was hundred percent ready. Um. But yeah, for, for us, if you liked what you heard, um, you want to hear more of it, we do do this weekly. Um, we stream weekly to industry40.podbean.com. That's where we call home. Um, you can find us on our RSS feed on all of the major players in podcasting. You can find us on Google Play and iTunes at Industry 4.0 and Stitcher at i4o. Um, you can find us weekly live on Twitch if you haven't already found us through this live stream on uh, Twitch, um, Facebook, and Twitter, all at Industry 4.0, all spelled out. Um, and if you like what you heard, and or if you have any suggestions or improvements, feel free to leave us a review at iTunes or Stitcher. We love reading it, and we like learning what we're doing right and do, learning what we're doing wrong, and it helps us improve the podcast. And I hate to beg, but please get a friend to leave a review, and it will, and it will be 
very constructive for us to allow us to know what we're doing right, like I said, what we're doing wrong. And it's not just because we want reviews, it's just because we want to make the show better for you guys. So um, that being said, if you like the music that you heard on this episode, if you're listening to us after the fact, you can find that at um, soundcloud.com slash the Bones, produced in-house by our very own Jeff Budzinski. Um, and you can check out if you like some of the pictures that he uses on those albums. Some of them are hosted by our very own Ryan Thompson at flickr.com slash photos slash Wayne R. Thompson. His Instagram is also fairly active as well at Wayne Ryan 21. And Urban, you have pictures as well on urban.lucas on Instagram. Yep. So yeah. I haven't been uh, posting that much lately, but hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, and also, um, not to interrupt you. Yep. You can your sentence. Yep. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, on, on my personal website, I have uh, mattpslav.in slash I4O, and you can find some more information on the podcast there as well. So just figured I'd offer that as well. And that has um, a player with the latest 10 episodes on our podcast if you want to listen to it on a mobile or web browser. So, yeah. yeah go ahead if you were going to say something about your about the podcast. Um, no, that's it. All right, cool. Um, that's been episode 42 and we will see you guys in the next one. 